This is WCNY's The Capitol Press Room, and we're joined by Assemblymember Ron Kim, a Queens Democrat who chairs his chamber's committee on aging and recently led a hearing into social adult daycare centers, which care for some of the state's most vulnerable New Yorkers. Welcome to the show, Assemblymember. Hey, thanks for having me back on. So what was the impetus for examining the landscape of social adult day programs? For example, was there some sort of inciting incident that made you want to look into the oversight of this industry, or was it just time for a checkup? No, there's been an increase of these new facilities that's been popping up in almost every neighborhood down here in New York City. And over the last few years, we've been hearing a ton of complaints by the consumers as well as the operators that many of these facilities are unregulated, uh, unlicensed, and some of them are just uh, a no-show jobs where they are labeled as ghost centers and committing Medicaid fraud by uh, not providing the services required and actually giving bribery, kickback money to some of the seniors uh, in exchange for them to come in and sign in. Uh, so they're, they're literally exploiting this uh, system at, and, and as an exchange banking system for public benefits. And uh, lately there's been some uh, federal level investigations and crackdowns and raids uh, down here in New York City. Um, and we feel like if we don't get a, a, a firm grip of the situation, it only takes you know, a few bad apples to drag down an entire industry. Because what's what's happening to the good operators is that now the consumers are going to the good facilities and saying, hey, the guy next door is offering me $1,000 to go sign up at their facility. What are you going to offer me to come to yours? And that's when you know uh, we're in trouble. In practice, what sort of services are good social adult day programs supposed to offer? And are they primarily funded through Medicaid dollars? Yeah, it's primarily Medicaid dollars. And I've seen it firsthand, including members of my family, in places would increase, um, increasing older adult populations. Uh, There's a gap between home care and long-term care facilities. People uh, need nutrition. People need uh, places to socialize with other older adults, uh, people who may have early signs of dementia. They need a a safe community where they can socialize. And by going to these facilities for free uh, breakfast, free lunch, and and having active activities there, uh, what also helps is the family uh, caregivers and the home care workers uh, and giving them some relief uh, and time uh, to do their own work uh, while their loved ones are taken care of uh, during the day. In terms of how these are utilized, I read that some of these programs have really evolved into a lifeline for elderly immigrants, especially those with chronic diseases. Is that your experience in New York City, that these are particularly useful for recent immigrants or maybe first-generation Americans living in New York City and are getting older? I mean, just to personalize it a little bit, you know, over the last one year, my father, uh, who I'm the, um, the the main caretaker of, you know, he's been dealing with uh, personal health issues. His cancer has come back. Um, at some point, at one point, he was uh, institutionalized after coming out of an ER. Uh, but as soon as he got back on his feet uh, in palliative care, where the cancer shrunk by 70%, um, I signed him up, you know, for uh, 
increased home care workers. But he alone, when he felt like he was healthier, he called the insurance company and demanded <laughs> to go back to adult daycare because he wants to play ping pong and he wants to socialize with his friends uh, at the local center. Um, so I think part of it is older adults, you know, they're they're still healthy when they're in terms of their ability to socialize and, and seeking socialization. And, and that is a big contribution to the overall health. And I saw firsthand um, how these facilities fill that gap. And so instead of instead of just giving them nursing homes and isolated home care attendants, there's a there's a third option where they can go and get the uh, medical uh, and support and in in the in the nurses that and, and the caretakers who are attending to them get the healthy nutrition and on top of that uh, stay engaged socially with others well turning to your hearing what if anything emerged that seemed to indicate how this situation has come about that you mentioned where people are basically defrauding the, the medicaid system by not really providing the services that they're supposed to provide yeah, I mean, I think the problem has been that for the last 10 years between the Department of Health, uh, my agency that I oversee, the State Office for Aging, and the Med Medicaid Inspector Office, everyone's been kind of punting the responsibility to oversee and regulate this field, this industry, and treating it as kind of a distant cousin to home care and nursing homes. And it created this void where uh, these pop-up facilities who are now going directly to the MLTCs, the managed long-term care insurance companies, and going into contract without even being licensed. And because for the intermediaries, they're also tasked to audit for quality, they're not really in it to do quality control because they the, all they want to do is get the numbers up for higher reimbursements. So hypothetically, if I we lined up a hundred seniors and went go directly to the MLTC. Say, hey, I got a hundred older adults. Can I open up a shop? And they'll rubber stamp you because they just want to get the higher reimbursements on Medicaid. Um, and and that's why the you know we had a hearing to understand where the shortcomings are and who needs to step in um, and offer regulatory solutions. Uh, while so we can root out the bad operators because if we allow the bad operators to exist, it's like in any industry, it would drag down the entire industry. There'd be a race to the bottom, and and the people who suffer the most will be uh, vulnerable older adults. Well, for listeners just joining us, so you're listening to the Capitol Press Room, and we're talking with Assemblymember Ron Kim, a Queens Democrat who chairs his chamber's committee on aging and recently led a hearing on the oversight of social adult daycare centers. When reading the notice about this hearing, I noted that there are approximately 80 social adult day programs around the state. Do you have a sense of how many of those are these bad actors? Do, I mean, do you have a sense of how widespread the, the problem is? The ones that uh, are my agency, State Office for Aging, uh, directly funds and county agencies funds, you know, linger around, you know, 80 to 100. But the ones, when you count every every facility around the state, we, we're, we expect over a thousand. Uh, we don't actually have a proper accounting of how many are out there. And that's part of the problem uh, because they can bypass um, 
any there is no licensing at the state level. Uh, anyone can go directly into contract uh, with the insurance company and open up a shop. This is not like a childcare center where they have, there's multiple points of inspection by the FDMY for the Department of Buildings to make sure there's safety protocols. People are literally opening up small offices and calling themselves an adult daycare center and collecting checks for Medicaid. That's a problem. And, and, and that's why part of the solution out of the hearing is that we need a proper accreditation um, you know, protocol uh, to allow people and the insurance companies to only work with those that are properly accredited uh, by the industry and the state. Uh, and that's, you know, but they will take some money, but it's not a lot of money. And we and we passed these measures legislatively before. It was vetoed by the previous administration because they didn't want to pay for such a program. But for a nominal amount of money, I think we can save this industry to provide valuable service. Did any of the state agencies that you mentioned, whether it's the Department of Health, the Medicaid Inspector General's Office, or, or the Office of Aging, testify as part of your hearing? And if so, did they acknowledge the landscape uh, the way you've described it? They're submitting testimony within the administration. Unfortunately, uh, the one agency that was supposed to testify was held up uh, last minute, but they're expected to submit testimony on record. And we, you know, and then that was the objective of the hearing to get as much input. Uh, And I mean, I mean, I'm also in direct contact now um, and, you know, ongoing direct contact with the administration and with the agencies uh, to figure out a solution. But legally, I mean, I can see they're being very careful uh, with multiple investigations for fraud, accusations of corruption. Uh, The government uh, are especially the legal counsels are being extra careful and navigating this landmine and trying their best to uh, to offer the right policy solutions. Um, and I think we'll get there. The state is currently in the process of crafting a master plan for aging. Would you like to see these social adult programs play a, a significant role in that master plan? Or is it too soon to make that type of commitment if the state isn't really going to step up its oversight and ensure that these are meaningful programs for people? Yeah, I mean, that was that's a great question. That's something that came up in the hearing as well. Like they the the currently the good operators are in desperate need of resources and funding. But they also agree with me that if we just throw money at this problem, it's only going to get worse. We have to fix and root out the corruption first and then properly support the industry and the good operators. Um, and, and the and we can only do that when we have the administration uh, supporting this. So the master plan of aging. I plan on working with DOH and SOFA to make sure that this is part of the plan um, to to counter the increase of isolated, lonely, and depressed older adults. Um, And that should be, and and the adult daycare centers certainly play a critical role in addressing those symptoms. Well, finally, in terms of administering more regulations and oversight of these adult programs, what seems like a reasonable timeline to really get our hands around this problem because like you said there are these hurdles to jump through is this something where you and i are going to be talking a year from now about the good progress that's being made or a year from now will we be saying okay we think we may have the solution and uh, we just need to go about implementing it yeah i think i think the advocacy has to come from um 
the working families who are suffering by sacrificing their own careers and time to take care of our, our older loved ones. And that's something that came up at the hearing as well. No, we haven't done a proper economic assessment of the impact of properly investing in older adult care in these type of facilities and what it does to what it does in terms of giving uh, working families uh, the, the time that they need to be productive and to put food on the table for their own uh, children and families. Right now, a lot of people are quitting their jobs because they they have to take care of their grandparents and their parents, and that has an economic toll. Uh, no one really focuses on that front. And I think once we realize that if you don't do this properly, there will also be an economic cost, uh, we we will take it more seriously and treat it uh, like like we have with childcare. Childcare has evolved over the last 10 years with child tax credits because we clearly understand um, how it impacts the economy, but we haven't linked the economic impact for older adults. And I, and I think that's a critical step to changing the narrative uh, in this field. Well, we've been speaking with Assembly Aging Committee Chair Ron Kim. He's a Queens Democrat. Assembly member, thank you so much for making the time and good luck with your father. Oh, thank you, David. Appreciate it. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. Join us again for Capitol Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.